Today I wanted to walk with you through the different readings. Um, the Gospel is the Gospel of St. John. They actually switched Gospels on this Sunday. It's a Sunday right after the baptism of the Lord. And in the Gospel of St. John, they're going to choose the moment which comes right after the baptism. And it's the moment where we find John the Baptist with two disciples. Already that, that's something that we have to take a step back and think about. John the Baptist had disciples. When I usually think of John the Baptist, I think of a man living in the desert, eating locusts and honey and wearing a camel shirt, you know. And so I don't quite think of someone that actually had disciples. Disciples means actually like students. And um, so already the fact that he had disciples and then the context, he looks over at the Lord and he says, behold, the Lamb of God. And that's what he says to his disciples. Now his disciples heard this perhaps for the first time. And for us, we're used to hearing it in Mass. Behold the Lamb of God. This is where we get it from, right? Um, but for them, it was the first time. So it must have been a puzzle. And how did they see it? What were they thinking when they heard it? They, hopefully, they thought of the Old Testament. And there's two particular passages. They thought of the moment in Exodus where the... Passover lamb was eaten and that was really the lamb of God where they ate of the lamb they used the blood of the lamb to paint the doorway and the angel of death passed over but they probably also thought of Isaiah Isaiah suffering servant where it says that he was like a lamb the Messiah is like a lamb led to the slaughter and where this suffering servant this Messiah is going to be a covenant for the people. And he's going to bring about this marital bond between God and his people. So they're probably thinking all of that when they hear Lamb of God. They're thinking of the one whom, who will bring about the salvation, the one who will suffer and die and carry the weight of our sins. So all that's hidden behind those words, Behold the Lamb of God. So one of the most amazing things about the Gospel of John is he speaks very simply, and it was something very matter-of-fact, but hidden behind it is layers and layers and layers. Um, move forward a little bit, and the disciples, they start to do what? Well, they hear that, and they actually leave their master, and they go and follow Jesus. And now they probably literally followed him, but it also has another meaning behind it again. Um, it means that they started to become the disciples of Christ. And they're the first two. We have one of the names. One of the names of the two is Andrew, um, which is a Greek name. He's the brother of Simon Peter. And the other one, Tradition and scholars often will think it's the author of the text because he always speaks about himself in the third person. And so it was perhaps John himself, the disciple John, the beloved disciple. And so these two start to follow Jesus. And Jesus turns around and he says, what do you want? Or... What are you looking for? 
different translations. And he's like a homing missile. He goes right to the point. Uh, he's asking them their intention. What is their goal? What is their end? Why are they here? What are they looking for? And it's like he's asking us this Sunday, what are you looking for? What do you want? And they don't know how to respond. So there's like, again, two layers. There's like, what do you want in the sense, why are you following me? And then what do you want more deeply? And they respond, rabbi, which means teacher. Where do you live? And that too, it's like, um, they probably literally, it was getting late at night. It was already 4 p.m. and they're looking for a place to stay. So it meant literally, uh, where can I stay? But it also was a further layer. And it means uh, we're looking to dwell with you, to be with you, to stay with you. And that's a word that's going to come back time and again in John, to dwell with God, to be with God. And so he says, come and see. And note that Jesus doesn't um, explain to them much. He doesn't speak volumes. And he does that with us quite a bit. He doesn't speak volumes. He doesn't explain necessarily a lot. But the first step in following Christ is to believe him and to come and see. And then next part is to dwell with him, not just to believe but to dwell with God, to remain in him. You have also in this passage, Simon Peter's first encounter. First encounter. So Andrew goes and gets his brother, Simon Peter, comes back after Andrew had expressed to his brother, we have found the Messiah. And Jesus says, when he sees him as a form of prophecy, he says, you are Simon, son of John, you are to be called Kephas, which means rock. And it's interesting because he's going to immediately prophesy the moment that he sees Peter that he will receive that very name, that he will receive that very name. And so Peter will become that rock. He's not yet. He will become it in Matthew 16. That's when it will actually be. So he uses the future tense. You will be called Kephas. Now, the first reading is driving at home. You have um, the famous call of Samuel. And it's showing that the church really wants us to see today, are you listening to the call of God? That's really what the church is getting at. Because Samuel is a young man or a little boy and he's going to hear the Lord say Samuel Samuel here I am and he runs to Eli um, and Eli says I didn't call you here I am here I am he runs to Eli I didn't call you finally Eli realizes what's going on and says respond here I am Lord and so he does here I am since you have called me and speak, Lord, your servant is listening, he says. And so he does. And the Lord speaks to him. And so he grows up in the sight of the Lord. And it's the same thing. Are we ready to follow? And are we ready to listen? 
Are we ready to hear the voice of the Lord calling to us? And that's at the heart of it. Um, and that's an incredibly beautiful passage. The call that the Lord places on our heart is that we might be united in a covenant, in a bond, in a marital bond, if you like, in a bond of family where we are his children. Um, and so will you respond? Will you come and follow him? Come and see, he says. Or better yet, he says too, what are you looking for? What do you want? And there is always going to be several layers. We want something more shallow. We just want to be happy through the day. But there is something that is deeper in us that longs for something more. The second reading is also very interesting. It, remember that the second reading isn't necessarily related to the gospel, but we try to find a relation anyways. Um, and in the second reading, it's kind of the theology of the body of St. Paul. And uh, it's nice. Uh, let's look at it really quickly. The body is not meant for fornication. It is for the Lord and the Lord for the body. That word fornication in St. Paul is also going to be actually an immorality. It's not meant for immorality, is another translation. The fornication is probably better because the Greek word is, is pornea, which is where we get pornography from. Um, here, the body is not meant for fornication. It is for the Lord and the Lord for the body. If we were to read this the first time, we would think, uh, well, uh, normally, I would think that God would say, the body is not meant for fornication, but the body is meant for true sexual relations or marital relations. But that's not what St. Paul says. St. Paul has some weird wording and it challenges us. Uh, he says, the body is meant for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And there's something that's really important here. Later on, he says, keep away from fornication. All the other sins are committed outside the body, but to fornicate is to sin against your own body. Your body, you know, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's where we get it from. You are the dwelling place of God. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you desecrate the temple of the Holy Spirit every time you fall into pornea or fornication or bodily immorality. And so he'll say things like, how could you unite yourself? How can you unite the body of Christ to a prostitute? Or how could you unite a, the, your body in fornication when your body belongs to the Lord? Now, this passage does have something to do with what the gospel was saying, because really, it's this question, what do you want? What do you really want? Um, and there's something in us that longs for more, for the dignity, for the respect, for the fulfillment of all that we are. And we only really can find us 
if we give ourselves completely to the Lord in that marriage bond with the Holy Spirit, allowing ourselves to become its temple, allowing ourselves to become the dwelling place of God, is that we dwell in God and God dwells in us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.